You're listening to Skyhawk After Dark Welcome to the Hanky Panky Podcast with your host, Coraline Jewell, a number one international best-selling author, director, porn star, swing club owner, and lifestyle coach. We'll delve into all topics related to the adult industry. Everything from porn, panty selling, custom orders, webcamming, swinging, BDSM community, polyamorous lifestyle, and more. Intrigued? Curious? Coraline is an open book and will share her experiences and knowledge in the world of sex. Let's welcome your host, Coraline Jewell. All right, everybody, welcome back to the Hanky Panky Podcast, hosted by myself, Coraline Jewell. Thank you so much for joining us again. Uh, today is going to be a super fun show. Uh, as you guys know, I always try to line up different and unique guests for us. And this one is probably going to go for hours because I don't think we're going to stop talking. But before we get started, I want to make sure that I thank the Skyhawk After Dark Radio for having us on their radio station, as well as Full Swap Radio. You can also find us on Apple iTunes, Spotify, and any other app that you listen to your podcast on make sure you continue to subscribe rate and follow that way you can stay up to tune with what we're going to posting next uh we uh we release every single episode a new one every monday morning around 10 a.m so that's how you'll know when we've got something new up and our blogs on our website hanky panky podcast go along normally with who our guest is of the week also just to shout out to some of our sponsors we've got some new sponsors jumping on board but we always like to thank schizo kitty an adult store out in the uh palm springs area Quinta area. We also have Teddy Love Official. Uh, they are also listed on our website and we've got some new ones. So make sure that you go to our website, you click sponsors. All of our sponsors offer our listeners 10% off of the products that they have available. And you just have to use the code Hanky, H-A-N-K-I-E. All right, enough. Let's get down to business. I'm super, super excited to tell you guys about my guest today. Uh, for those of you that don't know, a little bit of background on me. I am in the adult industry. Yes. Uh, do I watch poor no. Do I know any famous porn stars? Not normally. I have friends that are in the industry, but if you were to sit me down at a table and, for example, I had coffee with Denzel Washington for four hours. Why? Because I didn't know it was Denzel Washington. Okay. So that's kind of a little bit about me. I don't really uh, watch TV. I don't watch movies, even though I have a theatrical degree and even though I work as a director. Yeah, I'm strange like that. So our guest today has probably the longest running career in the adult industry, over 40 years span. And if you look at the IMDb credits or the credits, total of 363 credits, which is acting and directing and a bunch of other stuff that we're going to talk about. My next guest is also a member of the AVN and the XRCO Halls of Fame. Bill Margold called him one of the legends of the business, the Babe Ruth of porn. I don't even know if you know that, but that's what they call you. It's an honor and a privilege to have you on my show today. Can anybody guess who I've got today? Yep, I know you guys can't talk to me. Eric Edwards, thank you so much for joining us, darling. How are you today? I'm doing great. Thank you. You are amazing. Outside, so uh, I know. it's exciting. You see, people people say to us, oh, you're in California. It's beautiful weather all the time. I'm in California. You're in California. I've got pouring rain and you've got a blizzard, right? It's not yep. beautiful here today. It's yuck. And it's a Friday, <clears> too. <throat> Yeah, but the, the, the nice thing about it is, is that, that uh, blizzards are unusual. 
So, uh, I mean, we have beautiful blue skies all the time, it seems, you know. So we embrace it. Sprinkled here and there. You get all excited. This is true. This is true. And it's Valentine's Day weekend. You know that, right? Oh, my gosh. I've got to get somebody a Valentine's Day. How about about me? I don't have a Valentine. You want to be my Valentine? Yeah, I'll kiss your head. Okay. Now, now, yay, I have a Valentine now. I couldn't have asked for a better one. Okay, I am so excited to get started. I have a bunch of questions for you. And like I said, we'll probably talk for hours, you and me, who knows? So we're just going to go. And I want you to just share with my listeners a lot of what you and I talked about previously is that we want to educate the listeners on the adult industry from the golden era to where we are now, safety standards, uh, what is different, what you miss, what you like, and all that stuff. And we're just going to have a blast. So my first question is, I did do some research on you. Um, were you, you were an only sibling, correct? No yes. brothers, no brothers or sisters. And I read that while you were growing up in your childhood, your dad, because of his job moved 13 times, correct? You guys moved um, a lot. Well, I went to 13 different schools before college. Wow. Um, as far as the actual moving from one city to the other, um, I was born in Grand Rapids. Then we moved to Indiana. Then we moved to a small town in Alabama and then a larger town in Alabama, that's five. <laughs> and, and then uh, to Waco, okay. Texas. So that's only actual six moves. So six moves, but a lot of different schools and switching schools as a child. Was, yes, your, yes. was this your mom and dad? Were you raised by both parents? Oh, yes. Okay. Oh, back in the old, the old days when people stayed together. I know. Life's changed, hasn't it? Isn't it crazy? Um, Would you say that as a child growing up, did you have a good upbringing? I would say so. Okay. Uh, I was kind of a shy kid, though, because of being an only child and not staying in one place long enough to make good friends. Right. uh, I was shy. Uh, Only one friend at a time, it seems that I can remember and in any given place. But um, I think it was this shyness, actually, that that helped make me who I am. Today. Okay. Um, So growing up, you went to school. Did you get good? I'm assuming you got good grades. I got... Actually, in geometry, I, I got a perfect 100 A+. There you go. There you go. I don't know why it came to... Oh, I know why it came so easy to me, because my father was in the paper box industry. Yes. And I worked for him designing oh, okay. boxes. Uh, I had my own office, my own secretary. and I'll How old were you? How old were you? I was like 17. Oh, nice. Okay. Okay, because then I read online that there was a total of 24,000 applicants, correct, Uh, to go to the American Academy of Dramatic Arts, and you applied for a scholarship, and only 16 were selected out of those 24,000, and you were one of them, right? Yep. So that means you had good grades. Okay, so from there, you left. I was auditioned. (laughs) Aha, there you go. Okay. Okay. Uh, they auditioned people all over you the country. You had three callbacks I read online. Yes. Okay. Two scenes that I did. They wanted one classical uh, and one contemporary scene. The classical, I chose uh, Shakespeare's uh, Taming of the Shrew. I saw that. Uh, 
And um, for my contemporary, I did um, a scene uh, from Eugene O'Neill's Long Day's Journey into Night. Wow. Okay. A very so heavy duty scene. So uh, like you said, I, I got three callbacks and I got more and more nervous every time I had to do them all. Of course, of course. And then I finally got a telegram, the old fashioned paper kind that said you have won out of 24,000. Amazing. Uh, like to come to New York and study at the academy. Changed my life. Okay, so that's where we're going to go now. So the first thing is your father, I'm assuming, your parents, they supported and were proud of you and supported you up and going to New York with the, you know, to go and get your degree, correct? Oh, oh yes. And yes. you did graduate. I read that you did graduate from there. And yeah. you met your first wife in school from there, correct? That's right. Okay. You See, so homework. I've done my homework. So now my question is, you meet your wife, and once you graduate college, from what I read, it was very difficult to find theater work for some reason at that time. Is that correct? In New York? Yes, it was. And um, so something made well, not you... Only that. Uh-huh. Not only that, but I, uh, still being a little shy, Okay. Uh, I didn't know how to sell myself. When I graduated from the academy, uh, I was immediately signed by William Morris Agency on a three-year contract. That was in and, LA, right? Uh, no, actually, that started in New York. Oh, okay. But they had a they had a, a West Coast branch also. One of the reasons why I moved out. That's there. what I read. You moved out to LA um, and you started doing commercial work in Los Angeles with them. I actually did the commercial work in New York. Okay. Okay. Good. Yeah. Okay, I did so stuff in, in LA, uh, uh, bit parts and soaps and stuff like that. So yeah. what I want to know is, let's go from here. So we moved to LA, and you're still with them. What makes you switch from mainstream to now trying to get into the adult industry? And then I want to know how your mom and dad felt about it, if you ever did tell them. <laughs> okay, let's see. now we're getting down and dirty. <laughs> Let me see here. Which page do I go to? <laughs> yeah. um, all right. Let, let, let me just kind of start from scratch here. Okay. Um, after graduation, um, my first job with my first wife, Kathy, uh, was a, a, a theatrical show out in Lancaster, Pennsylvania, all about the Amish. It was a musical, too, called By Hex. Okay. And uh, I did not like musicals because I don't consider myself a singer, but uh, I had the lead in that show. So, but that was our first, uh, our first effort. And then, then we, uh, we moved to California, but before, oh, that's, uh, before that though, um, back in New York is where I actually got introduced to that scene uh, that we're talking about here. Oh, okay. And how yeah, did that happen? Uh, well, Kathy and I uh, weren't really sexually compatible, so we got into swinging, which you know I'm sure you'll bring up in a bit because you. Because <laughs> I I run a club for that, yes, but you yeah, could probably yeah. teach me some uh, things. Can I get tickets? Uh, um, yeah, you get free entry. You're my date, remember? Okay. <laughs> oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. So anyway, um, uh. There was an ad in the newspaper, like Screw Magazine or something like that. And, and to send off a photo, I, I sent my photo off. And about six months later or so, 
I got a call from a guy named Ted Snyder. Okay. Uh, and uh, he said, uh, hey, I've got a couple of girls over here for you. Would you think you can perform? And I didn't know. I, you know, I said, sure, because I'd been to parties and swinging and stuff. And okay. I figured a camera and a cameraman is not going to make me nervous. You know, so I'll, I'll, get, I'll give it a shot. It was a whopping 40 bucks. And, you know, hey, that was like big money for me back then. That was. Okay. And, and you were married to Kathy, right? Yes, I was. So yeah. Kathy was okay. A beautiful church wedding too. Yeah, and she was she was fine with you going to do this adult shoot. Yeah, yeah, because uh, like I said, we were swingers. Okay. So we were very open, a very open marriage and about swinging and stuff. Um, so Maybe, anyway, it, was swinging it acceptable? Kind of, Sorry to ask, Eric, but like, did your did your parents at that time they they didn't know you were involved in swinging, right? Or did no, they? I don't. Okay. No, I don't think so. No. Okay. So N nor did her parents. Right. Uh, Right. See, my parents know now. What can we do? <laughs> okay, so well, then, um, okay, so tell me what happened. So you go to this shoot. And it was uh, Ted Snyder with a little eight millimeter camera on a tripod and uh, Linda Lovelace and a girlfriend. That's right. Okay. Yeah. The Deep Throat Girl. Yeah. Before Deep Throat. This was like two, three years before Deep Throat. So uh, we did a lot of uh, other loops together, not just this one. Right. But because she would call me and, and say, uh, hey, Rob, we, you know, we had a really good time. You want to do it again? Make another 40 bucks? I said, sure, why not? It was fun, easy, okay. easy money. Okay. The got 50 and I never could understand how, why. $10 we still, <laughs> they still do that. They still do that now. The rates are a little higher, <laughs> but they still do that now. Um, so you're in New York for a little bit. You're doing some adult stuff. You go out to LA. You continue to do adult stuff in LA, correct? Mm -hmm. Parents mm -hmm. still don't know? Um, well, let's put it this way. <laughs> um, after I had been in, in many, many films and uh, sent to Europe, uh, three or four times to to film and I'd send them postcards from Stockholm and Iceland and, and all the places that I visited and stuff. Germany was my first trip, Munich. And uh, Joe Sarna was the one who got me into the European market with okay. uh, Butterflies was the name of the movie in uh, outside of Munich. But anyway, that got me going over there all the time and so I had to explain it to them. Mom, Dad, um, we were sitting in a restaurant in Fort Lauderdale where they lived. Okay. And, and uh, I said, Mom, Dad, you know all those B movies that I've done in Europe and everything like that? Well, they're all adult films. Father said X-rated. And she, Mom says, we know, son. Your uncle has a few of them. Oh, no! <laughs> Yeah. So, okay. Yeah. And so they supported you. Yeah. Oh, wow. that's amazing. That's amazing. Cause uh, I they've didn't always, they've always supported me. Yeah. Always. It's a difficult, it's a difficult thing though. And it's something that I want my listeners to hear. You know, I also did not tell my parents and then my sister found my Instagram account. Cause you know, social media nowadays. And uh, she outed me to my brother and my parents who were very, well, my father was very disappointed in me. Um, my mom didn't care. 
She really didn't care. And now my children know. And now, of course, you know, I wrote a book and now it's out there. And so my thing to, you know, always tell my listeners, anybody that's getting involved into this industry is A, be safe, which we do stuff about, but be you and be proud of who you are and be true to yourself, you know? Um, Okay. I want to ask you some more questions. Okay. So I know now I've done a lot of reading and I know you're living in LA and someone introduced you to drugs, uh, cocaine, I think. No, was it heroin? Which one was it? Well, I, I call <laughs> her my second wife, or at least most of the people okay. think that I was married to her, Arcadia Lake. Okay. But we were never legally married, but I call her basically my second wife because we lived together for eight years. And this was, was after Kathy, right? After Kathy. After yeah. Kathy, you live with her. And Kathy I passed away yeah, in 1991, I think. Okay. Uh, yeah. But anyway, yeah, we split up. Oh, that was a, we had a three-way marriage too with a, another Kathy, which got very confusing. Yes, I, I was confused. I read that. <laughs> I was like, what? Oh, yeah. You were confused. What about <laughs> hey, at least when you're making love to one, you've got the right name. Right. That's true. That's true. You're like, I like it like that, Kathy. I like it like that, Kathy. You're good to go. (laughs) So but anyway, that that didn't last, you know, very long. Uh, Luckily, that my escape was my first trip to Europe. That butterfly that I went to, it got me out of an awkward situation. It was becoming very awkward. Okay. And then when I got back from Europe, Kathy had moved out. And Kathy, too, I just have to refer to her that Okay. Way. I never called her Kathy, too. <laughs> but uh, Kathy and I lived together then for about two or three years. Um, so now I've lost track of where. Well, so let's see. So we've got, we've got this, we've got, we had first, first Kathy marriage. We end up getting divorced. We have a second Kathy. And then somehow you go from Kathy, the second Kathy to Arcadia, right, in L.A., Right. Okay. okay. So uh, Kathy, Kathy too, uh, did one movie with me, and uh, and that was enough for her. <laughs> so and so she actually left and went into the garment industry. Okay. Uh, in New York, and uh, I found a new apartment myself on a, a high rise, beautiful, beautiful place with a fantastic view. I was making good money, and uh, I met uh, Michelle. Arcadia. Um, I forget where. Oh, uh, I got a call from somebody um, asking me if I wanted to do a, a live show at uh, Show World, I think it was called in, in Manhattan. And I figured, well, I can do it in front of a camera. Why not in front of an audience, too? So uh, who's, who am I working with? Um, you're working with Arcadia Lake. And I said, oh, well, we've done a couple of loops together. I like her. She's she's cool. So I did this live show with her, five shows in one day. Actually, I was standing in for uh, Mark Stevens. Teach us about a live show. A live show is actually having sex with her and people buy tickets to come and watch in front of them. They don't do that anymore in New York. I know they do it in Europe, right? Uh, You know what? I think they probably do. They're far more advanced. Under the table. Okay, right. Okay, so you're Uh, doing live shows in New York. The live show, you can't, I couldn't really see the audience, uh, just a bunch of dark heads out there, you know. Always when we're uh, on stage because of the lights. So we're on a stage, yeah. And um, 
basically it's the same as a camera. You'd like mm -hmm. try to open it up, maybe do a, a reverse cowgirl or something. <laughs> All these, you know, positions, uh, we have names for them. It's very Yes, funny. of you course. <laughs> of course yeah. we do. <laughs> yeah. um, okay, so, um, okay, so That's I thought- how I met her. So, okay, and so I have a question for you. Let's, before we go to LA with her, um, I've heard about a couple places uh, back in uh, New York, such as, I think it's called like Plato's Closet. Is that what it's called? Plato's Retreat. Plato. Did Retreat, you, yes. what is Plato's Retreat and when were you introduced to that? Tell us a little bit about that. There was a, there was a swingers uh, club. Um, okay. Right around the corner from my building, actually. Very handy. But uh, at that time, I had had my fill of swinging, um, like with Kathy and stuff, because we went to a lot of parties and things like that. And and I was getting so much work that I, I didn't really... <laughs> need to go there to get any to action. Go and <laughs> celebrate. I needed to get some sleep for the next day of shooting. Right. So, <laughs> um, uh, so I couldn't really party. However, I went to Plato's Retreat once, and that was simply because a magazine, and I don't know which one it was, ran a data star contest. Data, date, uh, date, get a date with Eric. Oh, okay. So kind of like one of those, like, to have a date with a fan night or something like that. Right, so it was yeah, data star. Yeah. What would you say? to get a date with Eric Edwards or something. And they would write what they wanted to. And, and this gal from New Jersey won. And, and so it was, it, we picked her up in the limo and everything like that. And I said, well, what do you like to do? Can we go to Plato's? I've never been, but uh, sure, why not? Let's go hey. to Plato's. My one and only time. Okay, and Plato's, was it a industrial building? Was it a warehouse? Was it, did they have DJs? I'm trying to compare it to what a swingers club is nowadays. Uh, I remember entering on the main floor. It was probably just a large, um, large warehouse kind of okay. place. Uh, but it was all dark with light. Back then in the 70s, they, they, uh, they would have the strobe lights going, you know, blinkity, 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 <laughs> and uh, all kinds of, you know, flashing stuff. And they also had little side rooms okay. where you could go in and, and like one room would be for couples only or something like that. And another room would be for something else, um, maybe bondage. Okay, so like same as now. How yeah. about um, alcohol? Did they sell alcohol at that time or did you bring <clears throat> alcohol? Do you remember? I don't remember, but I would think probably yes. Okay, because now most of the swingers clubs, you bring your own alcohol and they have different, <clears throat> they, you have to be a member of the club and uh, you still have to pay for a ticket. And then when you go in, there's different rooms, like uh, exactly the same as you said, there'll be a bondage room, there'll be a voyeur room, there'll be an exhibition room, there'll be a couple's room, so on. So it's kind of like that yeah. a little bit. Okay, all right. That's and, what I remember. Okay, now tell me about this. What is, everybody always talks about this, 42nd Street. Did you ever go to 42nd Street? What is this that everybody talks about? I live about? right around the corner from 42nd Street. Okay. Yeah, and it's, I mean, it's just a street? I, I don't know why they didn't call me for the deuce because I lived <laughs> it. I actually lived it. Wow. It just a, a few blocks away from the deuce. Okay. 42nd Street between 8th and 9th. And um, so I would go there all the time. Uh, just in passing by what is it is it a time, bar 
What is it? Forty <clears throat> Second Street is a street. It's just a street. Uh, in Manhattan, yes. Okay. And Eighth Avenue is is north and south, and and uh, the streets are east and west. What's the big deal about this street? <laughs> it was the only place in New York, basically, where you could go and have adult toy shops, movie theaters that show uh, uh, adult films. Okay. And, but the, the loops, that in fact, uh, the very first time, that loop that I did, I was telling you about with Linda Lovelace. Yes. I was walking down 42nd Street and they had this, it was all open, uh, which wouldn't work nowadays. And you could see into this shop with the, the loop machines. I don't know if you know what a loop machine is. I do, but I bet my listeners do not. So tell them. Okay, well, they, they call them loops because they, the film, the scene, uh, basically... Would play over again? Or? Yeah, they, they put the tail to the front and it runs over and over again. But for you drop a quarter in and you get about a minute or two and then you have to drop another quarter in. To watch more. Until it comes back to the beginning again, called a loop. However, I walked through Forty uh, Second Street, and I just happened to see my photo <laughs> inside the shop. A photo from that shoot with Linda, and uh, I so I grabbed some quarters <laughs> and I checked it. And sure enough, it was that loop, and I'm I'm mesmerized seeing myself on this little screen about like this wow like I think you had to put your eyes up to it really oh my gosh okay and uh and then all of a sudden I realized that there were people looking at me looking at and you watching yourself watching watching me watching me you know, <laughs> and, and I, I said oh hi <laughs> shy as I am and, and just skedaddled out the uh and back onto the deuce wow but, uh, I, I'm not, I don't know if they couldn't get in touch with me or what, but I would have been a perfect candidate for a, a, a consultation on the deuce. So was that your first time actually watching yourself in your work? Because I don't watch myself either. Like people say to me, do you, what's your favorite? I'm like, I don't watch myself. <laughs> I, I didn't either. You didn't either. You're too busy filming. <laughs> right? <laughs> The, the second time that I watched myself was the opening of Firestorm. Okay. Uh, at, the, at the Pussycat Theater in Hollywood in L.A. Uh, that was with Kay Parker and, and me. It, that We were both the stars of that, of that movie. And uh, uh, we had a big cementing um, out in front of the theater, which is still there, by the way. Uh, I took a picture of it. I think I sent it to you. That's with the hands, right? The hands, yes, and, and the cement right in yes. front of the theater. And it's still anyway, there, uh, yes. We, yeah, and it was a big gala event. We we arrived in a limo, and there were hundreds of people and, and cameras and everything all out on the wow. street. Wow. And uh, flash bulbs and you know, flash bulbs going off. Uh, that really dates me. <laughs> and, uh, uh, it was it was really a spectacular uh, fun fun evening after the cementing we all go inside to watch on the big screen big 30 foot screen um firestorm 
and I had the lead. It was, in fact, it was one of my favorite roles of all time. This was your first time watching yourself on a big screen. I sank. <laughs> yeah. <in> my <laughs> oh my gosh, it's awkward, huh? Yeah. I was like in the front row or something, so I, I just got right down. I, you know, I, I was so embarrassed. My, I mean. When you look at yourself up there on a, on a huge screen, you know, your schlong is about <laughs> eight feet long. Oh, my gosh. Wow. Okay. But it was a good memory. Yeah, it was a fond memory. Very good memory. Uh, they treated us like royalty back in those days. Um, going to award shows, they always provided a stretch limo and everything. And, and that's why they called it the golden age. Yeah, it's not like that anymore. No, no, no. It's, it's totally different. Okay, so I want to ask you about like, um, so now you're in the industry, you're working, you're traveling. Some of the directors that those of us have heard of are like uh, Gerald Damiano and Ron Dorfman, Joel M. Reed. Have you ever worked with like, give me some stories of working with any of them and like just a, a, a real memory that sticks in your head? My first feature with uh, Damiano, Jerry, I call him. Okay. It uh, was uh, Memories Within Miss Aggie. Uh, I don't know the dates on these movies, but uh, it can be looked up. Well, you've but, done so many. <laughs> uh, yeah, I, I had a small role uh, and I had a scene with Kim Pope. We, we were filming up in upstate New York, someplace on a farm or something, and, and it was in the snow uh, in a blizzard and uh, we're walking across this bridge and she comes from one side of the bridge and I come to the other side and we, we meet and we're both so shy. We, we don't know how to, uh, to talk to each other. And you know, like you're, you're so-and-so, aren't you? Yeah, and, and you're so-and-so. And we're both, it was like she was playing a virgin. Um, and uh, then we go back to one of our houses, I guess hers or something, or maybe it was the barn. And I put on a, like a, a old British uniform or something from many, many hundreds of years ago or okay. something. And she likes that. And, and the directing that I got from Jerry was incredible. I'd never been directed before because I just, you know, loops are so easy, you know, oh, just, you know, get on top of her. Uh, there you go. Uh, turn around now. Good, good. good. <laughs> but uh, Jerry would give me meat to chomp on. Nice. Okay. And uh, he was a director, director. He was, he was, he was very good. In fact, I learned a lot from him, not only him, but uh, uh, Henri Pichard, Ron Sullivan, and a, and a couple of others. I, gathered their knowledge and put it to use in my own movies. But getting back to Damiano, he, uh, he was just an incredible person. And he really, just so kind too. Good, okay. Um, Memories Within Miss Aggie was my first movie, but my favorite movie that uh, he hired me for was um, Night Hunger. He shot my scene uh, with, um, Honey Wilder and three other girls. It was a period piece back okay. in the 1800s or so. So it was all 
uh, costumes and very gothic. So it takes you back to your theatrical days, because, you know, I'm listening to you name your movies, okay? You know what the movies are now? I fucked my mom in the ass anal three. And, um, you know, (laughs) gangbang pounded me anal seven. I mean, it's like, what's happened, right? I know, I know. Memories within Miss Aggie. I mean, you know, that's Eric, let's make a comeback, okay? <laughs> you and me, let's bring a comeback of something actually classy and central. How about that? <laughs> and the script would have to be at least 10 pages. There you <laughs> actually, go. <laughs> I, I, I hired a girl uh, uh, for one of my own movies, and she was sitting in the makeup chair. I had handed her her sides, which basically is just her script. Right. Maybe two or three pages. And she was looking at it like this, you know, looking at it. And she said, excuse me, do I have to memorize all this shit? <laughs> and I said, well, yeah, unless you want to walk out the door right now. <laughs> right. And, but should she I mean, do it? That, that was the difference between my day and, the, you know, back in the 90s or so when I was making movies. Yes, so I was going to ask you that difference between, <coughs> excuse me, so difference because I, from what I'm understanding, you would go sometimes to New York, sometimes to LA, back and forth to shoot. Was there um, a difference when you were working in the New York scene versus the Los Angeles scene in the 70s, 80s? Was there any kind of mafia influence? Sometimes you read about that online. Did you ever feel or notice any of that? Um. You know, it's very strange when people ask about that uh-huh. because the word mafia brings on uh, the connotation of, of uh, guys with uh, guns and, and uh, you know. Right, which it's not, but it does. Smoking, uh, hey, dude, you want to make a movie for me? <laughs> okay. <laughs> You make a good one. No, actually, I, I, I do that imitation. Oh, my God. Uh, I adore you. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> You're great. <myself. laughs> very, very bubbly. I like that. Oh, thank um, you. Anyway, uh, I uh, my first film that I ever made was called um, Sailing into Ecstasy. And uh, it, a lot of it was done on a sailboat. And uh, it was my first script that I wrote with women in mind. And I'll explain that later if you remember to ask me what's, I will. what's the difference. Um, anyway, uh, uh, that was my first feature. And I took my script to uh, Mr. Big, <laughs> or whatever you want to call him, you know. Okay. Um, and uh, I said, you know, I'd like to make a movie with, you know, for you. And he asked me about it. He, he knew who I was already because I had a good rap. And so uh, bottom line is he reached under his desk and he brought out $40,000 in cash in hundreds. 40000 Okay. Yeah. Cheap by today's standards. But to me, I looked at that pile of, of bound $100 bills, and I thought to myself, quick, this, this is Mr. Big over here. Um, should I count it in front of him, or should I just trust him 
which would be the best thing to do. And so I kind of did it very rapidly. Okay, thank you. Wow. And he looks at me and says, yeah, go make a good movie for me. Wow. And this was an adult movie. This is an adult movie. Yeah. Well, that's all I made. But they yeah. don't, they, they don't put $40,000 anymore to make an adult movie. <laughs> you were around in the well, day. That was cheap. Ah. That was a cheap one. That was a cheap budget. That's insane. That's crazy. Yeah, it's just no, my, my my later features were much more expensive uh, because they were more elaborate. I got named stars. Uh, uh, I told you about Mirage. Yes. The one that I want you to see. Yes, I'm gonna um, go watch it. Okay. <laughs> yeah, that was that was for women. So that so. was um so that was interesting. So um that was your first time being hired to do and actually like sitting there with this amount of money in front of you. Um so to, so we've got like your career. I want to go into there were times where you struggled with like we started to talk about it, the addiction to drugs. We started to talk about that with Arcadia. Um and I want to go into, you know, how you know, how much of a toll did that take on your career? And I saw that you finally did date somebody who wasn't involved in it. And you thank her for being your, you know, escape from that world. Was that a very difficult, was that, was it prominent to go to sets and everybody was doing cocaine or heroin or was it not like that? Yeah, it, it was hard. Um, so many, everybody was, was snorting coke. Everybody was, okay. Yeah, but my my problem began with uh, with Michelle. I had taken her down to Jamaica several times because she wanted to get off of her methadone program, and uh, she didn't want to be on it anymore. So I said, well, "What would you like me to do?" She wanted me to dose her down on methadone. So she gathered up a whole bunch of methadone off the streets and stuff she bought it wow okay and, and I, I took her to Jamaica and I had a little like chemistry beaker and stuff where I could measure out the dosages and and I would give it to her and the last trip we spent a, a whole month uh there and uh and she gained she got down to zero and that I was so proud of her. That was just really wonderful. And and so that's when we moved to California. Okay. Well, she got a job in a health uh, health club, uh, teaching aerobics, and um, I, I watched her with a class out and you know doing all the things with her. You know, following her, she was up front. And but she met a girl in that class who was an addict, with her boyfriend. And she partied with them once and got hooked on heroin again. Okay. Actually, um, speedballs. So um, I made the biggest mistake of my life at that particular time because I loved her so much. And I felt like I was losing her back into the drug world, which I was. And I just wanted to be where she was one more time, at least just to try Okay, I'll try. So there, it was her and another actress, and we were all partying together. I won't mention the actress's name. Okay. And uh, and she couldn't shoot me up. The actress had to. And I went ballistic, oh, in ecstasy. Just it was like um, way too amazing to even describe 
the good feeling that it was. It was a mixture of heroin and cocaine called a speedball. Right, okay. And uh, from that point on though, when I got back home without her, um, I continued my habit. Which we hear about, you turned back to it for that feeling. Yeah. How long were uh, you addicted to it? Hard to say, uh, because my memory about it, I try to get rid of. Yeah. But I would say probably, uh, probably six to eight months, maybe. And did it affect your career and your jobs, or did you still? Yeah, yeah. It, affect, it, it affected. It affected my career because I was embarrassed by the track marks on my arm. Oh. And so I, I would, I did not want to show up at work uh, after I'd gone on a binge. Wow. And, yeah, it was embarrassing to me. It, it it actually had to get so embarrassing that I would do something about it. And and with the help of my, after Michelle had left me, gone into the drug world. Right. Um, later died of an overdose, of course. I read that. Mm-hmm. But anyway, this uh, this Thai girl from Thailand that I that I met at a Thai restaurant. Uh, I started dating her and she was just so sweet and she didn't mind me being in the business either, which was very interesting. In fact, they, the, the Thai waitresses would get together and point and, right. and, and everything like little Thai girls do. They giggle a lot, you know, <laughs> and uh, so she didn't mind. And uh, I thought that was pretty cool of her. And it, actually it, it helped give me the strength to be back in her world. Good. So you credited. So she helped you, you know, and even today, nowadays, like uh, in the, in the industry, it's very, very difficult for what we would say somebody in the vanilla world to accept someone like me who still performs and does other stuff as well. Um, So it's nice to know that there, you know, she accepted you and she was the one that you credit for helping get you clean. Yes. Right. Her strength. I mean, she didn't actually say, or, or, you know, help me. Okay. Aspect, but it was her strength and her caring for me and, and not caring about me being in the business. Okay. That was highly unusual because like, you know, for, there is so much jealousy, you know, when you, when you have a couple or something or people working in the uh-huh. industry and, and so, well, who'd you work with today? Uh, did you like her better than me? Same thing. Her? It hasn't changed, Eric. It's the same crap. <laughs> yeah, so, I figured so. Yeah, it's the same. Um, so now a little bit. So we had, okay, so we had Kathy. We had Kathy too. Uh, then Arcadia, right? Right, right. And the Thai girl. Um, and I know that you have two sons, correct? That you raised on your own. Who's the mom of the two boys? Oh, oh, Renee Sims. <laughs> oh, geez. We... <laughs> That's good, though. Okay. <laughs> You're like, which one was it? Hmm. You were married, <laughs> on, married on paper how many times? Twice? Hmm? Married on paper. How many actual, like, legal marriages? Oh, twice. 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 Yes. twice. Um, and, and Renee was the mom of both kids. And how come you ended up raising both boys on your own? Oh, well, that's kind of a sad story. Um, Do you want to share that with us? 
Yeah, sure. I think I wrote about it anyway. So okay. Um, I was out shooting uh, one of my movies in uh, Malibu on location, which was about a two hour plus drive away from my house. Okay. Uh, we had a beautiful house in, in uh, uh, horse country. In fact, right across the street were, were horses in a, in a corral and I could, I could hear them because it was so quiet. You could hear them walk around in the hay and stuff and snort and stuff. And, <laughs> And it was just very, very peaceful and quiet and everything. Well, I hired this uh, this uh, guy who became a friend, actually, as one of my PAs, production assistants, uh, on my shoots. However, um, he wasn't on this particular one because uh, Cherie, uh, Renee had started uh, kind of dating him. Did you know and that? I had suspected things. Okay. Yeah. And I was so busy working that I didn't realize what was going on. When I was out there on my shoot, I got a phone call from her saying that my friend had set the house on fire. He had taken lighter fluid and squirted it all over my bed and all over the baby's swing and stuff like that. Oh, that my God. And uh, by the, I said, I can't, I'm two hours away, call the fire department. What are you doing? Don't waste time, you know? Well, you know, she finally called the fire department, of course. But um, by the time I got home, the house was totally destroyed and uh, everything that I ever owned, pretty much, except for stuff I stored in the garage, was, uh, was all gone. The painting behind me that I did yeah. in 1974 was the only thing that really kind of survived. And um, it was it was interesting because um, I had to start life over. Where where and were the children? Wait, where were the children at this time? They were at a sitter's at that particular time. I, and I, they, he wasn't taking care of the, the boys. Very and well. what so happened? I, what happened to this man? Where is he now? Or what happened at that time? They both uh, flew the coop and disappeared. Um, couldn't be located. Uh, Oh my God. So I, I didn't, they I couldn't even get child support. But uh, anyway, it, uh, I think times have changed now. We're friends again. You are friends uh, again with her. Okay. Yes. yes. And where's he? Um, where's he? I think in prison. Good. Okay. Yeah. Good. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, wow. So that's why, okay. So that's why. So you raised the two boys and um, you're amazing. By the way, you're amazing in so many different ways. See, you're my Valentine. I have oh. Valentine. I bet so many ladies are jealous right now. But you're my Valentine. <laughs> so, um, okay, so yeah, okay, so let's see here. I mean, we, I know we could go forever. Now, I did read something that I'm very proud of you for, and I'm so happy for you. But I want you to share with my listeners that might be listening. Um, when you're going through all this, the movies and there's, you know, limos and $40,000 budgets and all this stuff, right? You, the, it starts to get hard to find work. Was it about year two? What, when was it that you, like year 2000 to 2004, was it starting to get difficult to find work or make movies? I read something about that. And then you were diagnosed with stage four um, colon cancer oh, in 2005. Oh. 2003, I believe, 2003, okay. I was actually diagnosed with the colon cancer. 
However, the, the colon cancer was taken care of. It was just basically a, a, a polyp that was cut out. Okay. You didn't have to go with the colostomy mag and all that stuff. Okay. Uh, which was good. However, during a, a CT scan, I think uh, they discovered that it had spread to my right lung. Okay. And and uh, I had under had, had to uh, undergo surgery and, and have uh, two thirds of my right lung removed. So, um, but I took it all in stride because I was raising my sons and driving them to school and stuff like that. And, and, and I was in between finding a, a new place to live. So um, my younger son, my older son moved to Texas with a friend and uh, my younger son and I were camping out in campgrounds for- So that's true what I read. You guys camped in campgrounds for how long? Six months. And until I was going to ask you, did I heard I read that um, you had to file bankruptcy to cover your medical bills and everything? Um, correct. Yeah, I think so. Yeah. Wow. I I did. But so, that's, that's yeah. The, the the neat. First of all, camping to me, I, I love camping. And okay. I'm a camper. But uh, we weren't. It, it wasn't as uh, rustic as it might sound. I had two very large tents, six man tents that you can actually walk into that they were that tall. Okay. Uh, I, I had my Siamese cat, her cat condo, her litter box and her food <laughs> inside the tent. Okay. And then we had another tent just as big as our closet. And we would hang our clothes up in that tent. And then I also had a shower tent, which is specifically made uh, like a shower. And, and there's a bag okay. of water, hot water that you can that heat in the sun and, and uh, get inside and just like do a and, shower. And you're still so making movies? Were you still making movies at that time or performing or neither? Or yes. Oh, oh yeah. Okay. Yeah. I, I'd go into town and I'd drive my son into town uh, to go to school. And, and, uh, and then I would go looking for apartments. And in the meantime, I was also making movies. Okay, all right. So and I found a place. Oh, you so did. We moved out of the camp, and then we found out it moved out of the campgrounds. Okay. Moved up into the mountains, which I love. Is that and where you are still place. now? Yeah. Okay. So how long have you been retired from making movies? Not performing, but actually like directing. I don't know. I I think I'd have to look at uh, IAFD. Uh, to see what your last one was. My last, my last movie was, but I, I'm guessing probably. I don't know if I made any after my surgery. Oh, uh, ask me about Sharon Mitchell. Oh yeah. Anyway, saving me from the campgrounds. Anyway, um, I lost my train of thought. Okay, well, hold on. I want to go there. Okay, so uh, let me go there. Sharon Mitchell, who I am. Sharon, if you're listening, I really want to talk to you next. But uh, Sharon, you said saved you from the campgrounds. Tell me the story. Well, like I said, uh, my son and I were, were just kind of comfortable with our little routine, driving into town, dropping him off at school. Um I'd be looking for places to live, and then I'd, we'd go back to our campgrounds. Then I get a phone call on my cell, uh, and it's Sharon Mitchell, because I, I had huge bandages on my right side from the surgery. Right. 
and uh, there was time to take them off. And I was just going to rip them off out there in the campgrounds. And Sharon said, Rob, you can't do that. You can't, you have to come into town and, and be more um, antiseptic, I guess, maybe is the word. Right. Okay. So I, I, I thought to myself, and I said, you know, you're right. You know, so she said, look, here's what I've got for you. I've raised uh, $2,000. And if you go over to um, your boss, uh, who I work for editing, uh, and he has it for you. I was editing too, by okay. the way. Uh, okay. ETV, uh, totally tasteless video at that time. So that was my job. Wow. Um, shooting for them too. I, I wrote, produced, directed, and sometimes acted for them. And edited. What am I saying? Anyway, <laughs> the uh, jack of all trades. You are. Well, you're like me, right? That's why I said we yeah. had so much in common. Okay, yeah. so you go down so there. Sharon, she raises this money for me. She's amazing. I hear so many good stories about her. And then she puts us up in this this uh, extended stay hotel, very nice place, uh, and pays for it. And I just could not believe it. So she said, I just want you out of that campground. You can't take off those bandages out in the woods. And so I agreed. And we moved into this uh, this hotel, my son and I, and my cat. Oh, wow. <laughs> the, maid, we, we, the maid got a kick out of our cat running up and down the hallway. <laughs> <laughs> uh, oh, but gosh, that's amazing. It was, it was fun. See, I, I treat everything in life uh, as an adventure. And an experience. And this, was just, this was another adventure to me. My my cancer uh, was an adventure. And if if anybody out there wants some good advice, eighty percent, maybe ninety percent of it is up here. And if you can find a way to have a positive attitude about it all, uh, use it. See, I, I refused hmm. to uh, let it get the better of me. You're amazing. Remember, I told you about a friend of mine that's been diagnosed with stage four cancer. And after you and I talked, the first thing I did was call her and tell her what you just said to everybody. And you said to me. That's nice. That's I hope true. she appreciated that. She did. She did. She asked me if I could have it. She said, can I have a date with him? And I said, maybe. <laughs> maybe. Oh, my gosh. Yes, is the answer. <laughs> right. Okay. I'm so. No, you're not. You're my date. I'll, uh, maybe I'll share. I mean, we're swingers. Well, that's just for Valentine's. There you go. Okay, so now you're retired. You're living in the mountains. Um, so we're going to close out, but I want you to tell me a couple things. Uh, what do you do? Like, what do you do with your life every day? And do you ever, ever, ever consider making a comeback to make one film? What are your thoughts about that? First of all, um, my day-to-day -day life is is uh, very relaxed. Uh, living in the mountains, uh, I moved up here actually for my lung. Right. The fresh air. The fresh air is just delicious, and uh, I, I'm at little about five thousand feet altitude, my little tiny village, and um, right up, right outside my door is, is a mountain that goes up to uh, close to nine thousand feet. Wow. And it's, it's still got snow on it, um, but uh, all our snow has melted because of the elevation. And, uh, but I moved up here for the fresh air because of my lungs. So I get the most out of that by going on hikes 
Nice. Uh, almost every day, if okay. it's a nice day, I'll go hiking. And um, and that's about it. I, uh, as far as working uh, and producing, directing a movie, um, I, I'm too old now. I'm 75, and I I don't think I could stand up to a 16-hour day. Uh, yeah. Multiple days, you know. And that's what it is. It's it's 16-hour days. Uh, you get about. You're lucky if you get eight hours of sleep, and you're back on the set again. I loved it at the time. Good. So much fun. I, I just ate it up. Um, and but I had the energy back then. Uh-huh. Even even in what was I in my mid 40s, 50s? I don't know how old I was when I actually my last film was. And now you've got me curious. I'm gonna have to look that up. Right. Anyway. Well, but so you're amazing. I mean, you have the most um, you have such a stand-up reputation from the industry and as a person, yeah. you really, really do. I have done research on you and it is an absolute true honor to meet you, talk to you and have you on the show. Like, oh, I think, I, I feel like I've made a new friend and definitely when I come to the mountains, we are doing our Valentine's date. <laughs> You're invited at any time. Thank you. I'd love to see you person absolutely we sure will thank you so much for being with me today on the show is there anything else you want to leave my listeners with a memory of um advice um somebody who's maybe you know dealing with an illness or somebody who's dealing with um a career choice anything any words of wisdom no not really everybody's different everybody has their own way of living in their life and uh you didn't ask me about uh, the difference between the women's uh, films and uh, uh, and just your normal X-rated movie, but we didn't get into that. Do you want to like edit it? Yes. In later? No, no. Tell me what is that? Tell me about it. Oh, okay. Well, Please. Uh, as far as I'm concerned, uh, my difference in my scripts uh, were always geared toward, I, first of all, I used a lot of uh, uh, Rod Serling's Twilight Zone in my, in my writing uh, with a lot of twists and turns and a surprise ending in almost all of my films, if the bigger budget ones anyway. Uh, but lighting has a lot to do with it. I did not want my gaffer to light it all up like a newsroom. And in fact, the very first movie that I told you about, Sailing into Ecstasy. Yes. Uh, I had this fireplace scene. It was a cabin in the woods. And um, uh, actually it was a house, but it was supposed to be a cabin in the woods. So I wanted this love scene in front of the fire on a, on a bearskin rug or something you know, soft and fluffy. And, but I told the actors and I said, uh, uh, it was Karen Summers and Francois. And I told them, I, look, I don't want to, um, I'm not going to put music over this scene. I'm just going to, I want you to whisper to each other face to face. Okay. Just whisper, tell her what you think. Uh, she's gorgeous and beautiful, her eyes and stuff. And, and just whisper. And I'm going to use that in the crackling of the fireplace too, instead of music, the, the typical porn music. No, I never used to. <laughs> I always had original music score in my stuff. 
but those were the days. The whispering, the the the, the intimacy, is is a is a woman thing. I got a lot of this from Renee Summers, her her advice. In fact, it was her idea for me to even get into directing, uh, and I thank her for that. But um, the second thing, besides the lighting, oh um, yeah. I told my gaffer that I wanted to get a double 45, putting uh, light behind them, not necessarily in front, fill in the front, not flood. The thing yeah. The but highlight, you know, like the body is round. The, the silhouette, body. okay. Yes, not just necessarily the silhouette, but at least it shows the roundness of, of things in the body and stuff instead of a flat newsroom look. Mm -hmm. So the lighting was one thing. My script was another, the tenderness of, of my scripts. And uh, I guess the third part would be um, uh, just the technique in filming. Um, for example, I know this sounds really crazy, but um, I, I built a beach scene in a garage. Wow. Uh, which was actually painted black all around. It was a double garage, pretty big garage, but still. Okay. I brought in a ton of sand and a campfire, a gas campfire with a hose in the sand. You couldn't see it. And somebody controlling the frame over there. Uh, and I had a little picket fence in the background, you know, way in the back, like half buried in the sand. Okay. You could not tell it from a beach at night. I put a wind machine in there, blowing the hair on the girl. Uh, it, it was, you know, superb, beautiful. So but the, 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 the crew hated me at first. <laughs> they, got, they got to know me. When they got to know me better, that they all, always wanted to work with me again. Anyway, we, we cleared out the sand totally and made the garage into a bar scene. At, at nighttime bar, you know, with, with drinks and everything. And, okay. and a couple of three guys at the bar and a girl who walks in that's horny as hell. <laughs> yeah. And uh, and, it's, and it looks like a bar. I left a little sand on the, on the floor because bars usually have sand or sawdust or something, you know, make it look more real, realistic. And, and the, 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 the garage had a ceiling fan up on the ceiling. Uh, and I said, you know, there was a shot in uh, Apocalypse Now where uh, I think it's Martin Sheen is laying on the bed and the, the camera is shooting down through the fan blades and the fan blades go across the guy's wow. face slowly. And I said, I want that shot. I want, she's going to lie on a pool table and these guys are going to mess with her around, all around her. And I want to see it from up above through the fan. And he said, you're crazy. <laughs> and I'm, I'm crazy. I'm crazy because the ceiling fan is only this much from the ceiling. Right. I'm looking at mine so right how now. Gonna a, how are you going to get a camera up there? And I said, well, i tell you how to do it. Put a mirror on the ceiling, attach it up there, and shoot them from up into the mirror and get the reflection down onto the table. And that, that's one of my favorite scenes, one of my favorite shots. Eric, it is not like this anymore. We need you back in the industry. Your creativity, <laughs> your experience, your vision, you're amazing. 
you are thank you a, you are a breath of fresh air and an amazing way to start my friday morning <laughs> wonderful honey you I wanna... started mine too hon thank you yeah. it was such a pleasure talking with you meeting with you making a new friend and we will definitely be in touch and i thank you for sharing with my listeners about you know how it was back when it was actually art and it was beautiful and it took creativity and it took um, lighting and a mind behind it. And hopefully we can bring it back today to what it was. I have my doubts, but it would be nice. I will take the challenge. (laughs) Sweetheart, thank you so much for everything. I'm going to stop our recording. I'm going to thank all my listeners for listening. Eric, thank you again for joining us. I really appreciate it. Guys, make sure that you go subscribe, rate, and follow. Again, thank you for listening to the Hanky Panky Podcast hosted by yourself, Coral and Jewel. Have a good day. Thank you. Thanks for listening to the Hanky Panky Podcast with your host, Coral and Jewel. If you enjoyed this episode and you'd like to help support the podcast, please share it with others, post about it on social media, or leave a rating and review. Be sure to check out our archive section on our website for previous podcasts. Check us out on YouTube, Instagram, and Twitter at Hanky Panky Podcast. Join us next time for another edition of the Hanky Panky Podcast. And remember, always be true to yourself. <laughs>